Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify stories and strategies from leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast. I'm Nathan Stuck, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to support your pursuit of a better version of capitalism, one that creates better jobs, uplifts communities, and creates more inclusive places for all people to flourish. Have you ever wished that you had better mentors and advocates to set you up for success before you started your career? How do some people receive that leg up early on that seems to catapult their success while others lag behind despite giving it their all? Twana Harris will share the story that led her to what she aspires to be today, being the person she needed most when she was first starting out. Today, Twana equips aspiring entrepreneurs with the space, tools, coaching, and community they need to convert their talents and creativity into successful, purpose-driven business ventures. Here's the first part of our two-part series with Twana Harris. Let's jump in. Let's start with the first question, which is is around your backstory. Um, and just if you could share it kind of, and, and, you know, we talked beforehand about um, your leadership aspiration of being the person I needed most when I was first starting out. So talk to us about that and how it's helped define your, your career. Just go into your story a little bit. I grew up in North Florida, a very small rural town, um, wasn't exposed to a lot of what you would typically learn in a metropolitan city. Um, a lot of the people there don't have the education and the wherewithal of like more of the cultural nuances that happen in the bigger world. So agriculture was like a primary form of, um, of work where I was from. And I had no interest in agriculture whatsoever, you know, um, outside of like growing some tomatoes out on the back porch. Other than that, no interest. Um, and so I actually had the privilege of being sent to Atlanta every single summer for summer camp with an aunt. Right. And that was really my first exposure to the regular, the outside world. Like I had been to different vacation spots, but like literally living in Atlanta for a summer completely changed my life and actually drove my love and just excitement about the city in general, like just to understand that there weren't limitations, that the same limitations that existed where I grew up, that there was a world outside of that. Right. And, um, <clears throat> that's what really gave me my, my vigor for like education. To be honest with you, the vigor was like education to get out of where I was, to live in a place like Atlanta, to aspire to a different, you know, outcome. And I think that a lot of that really fueled, it fueled my love of entertainment. My TV became my window to the world because I started as a young person saying, I think I love this whole idea of travel. I love this idea of seeing what else is possible. And I always, as a kid, has questioned like, why? Why does it have to be this way? Why do we do it this way? Why is this the the, the limit to like where I can go, right? And so with that said, being that, that rebellious spirit that said, but why do we have to do it this way, right? I never had somebody to say, I like that. Let me, let me help you. Let me help you figure this thing out. Let me help you. You have a great idea. Let me help you build that out. Let me help you show you, let me help connect you to the person that you need to be connected with, right? Um, I think I've always had this insecurity that was overshadowed by um, a sense of confidence. 
And so people literally said, oh, she's got it. She'll figure it out. Right. And in all transparency, I think it was a sense of self, a sense of insecurity that I had to kind of sort of cover and mask. And so I'm sitting here wanting all the support, but I was never bold enough to ask for it. Right. And so now I realize that there are so many people who live in, 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 in conditions and upbringings, whether that's wealthy, poor, you know, cultural nuances, et cetera, that simply just don't feel confident to go and ask for the help that they need. And sometimes they just need to be discovered. Right. And so when I see somebody who's doing something, um, I literally go to them and I'm saying, okay, so how are you funding that? I have corporate partners that you need to meet. Like you're doing amazing things. You've landed two times, time ink covers. You're this fellow, the, the youngest ever in life. Why aren't you being supported by corporations? Why don't you have a partnership? You're training 600 additional uh, students in your neighborhood around how to you know, do amazing things with a camera. Why don't you have those partnerships, right? And so that's a part of what my purpose is, is I don't feel like I was seen. I don't feel like I was heard. I don't feel like I was valued in the circles that I was in. And so how do I now make people feel seen, felt heard and valued? Oh, I love that. And it's, and it's such a common thing. I think to the, the, the you, you put on that strong face and people kind of go, like you said, like, she's got it. He's got it. Like they're good. But I think we, I think it's a good reminder that we can all always use help too. We can always use, I mean, even this, as you were talking, I was thinking this episode brought to you by Sydney Hulaback. Um, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, you know, who you need to know is Donna. It's those types of approaches, though. So making those connections is like the, the secret sauce of life. I mean, I sat down with Sydney and I told her where I was working with. And she was like, did you know we do this? Have you met so-and-so? You know, it was just like literally like shooting off. Like, I love your energy. I love what you're building. I love your purpose. Who do you need to know to make that happen? And we need more people in the world. And that's essentially what I mean when I say I want to be the person that I need it most is who's not doing your work for you, but who's setting you up for to be successful. Yes, I love that. Um, what do you wish what do you wish people understood about your field of work and and those stakeholder ecosystems that you're well, you're committed to serving, but you're also building them? Yeah. And, and I'm glad that you brought out that distinction because that's really important. Um, so many entrepreneurs are building a plane and flying it at the same time, which means that, and it's a different type of plane, right? And out on the wing, <laughs> taping it up as you're flying. Exactly. Like hold my leg, you know, I'm going to step out, you know, um, but we're building a different type of plane and maybe that plane doesn't work on, you know, the traditional fuel. Maybe we're testing out a different type of fuel. Right. So we just don't know where it's going to go. It might just plop in the middle of whatever. But at the end of the day, we're doing something completely distinctively different. And it's just so much harder because. So let me back up and say. So two things. One, I will say this big word that a lot of people probably won't understand, but I'm just going to throw it out there and then I'll break it down. So my focus is really on social impact, entertainment and storytelling, right? So let's start with social impact. A lot of people, unless you grew up on the West Coast or in, you know, specific markets, you don't really know exactly what that means. And I think the broader scale of like the whole ESG conversation has really framed social impact a lot of times when you hear those words, immediately you think about um, climate change, right? 
Because that's, I would say that's probably 70% of where the conversation goes, right? But there's a multitude of different issues um, that are surrounded in that area. And sometimes it's just the humanity of a people. And with me being an African-American in this country and kind of sort of living through the dynamics and the systems and structures that I've lived through in a very racially, um, uh, what do you call it? There's a lot of racial tension where I come from, um, like still to this day the Klan still has a, an annual appearance. I'll just say that, right? Um, and people think that that was something of the past and it's not in some areas, right? And so every time that happens, it has people to, you know, you literally have this sense of your humanity is being threatened, right? And there's some communities of people that walk around with that existence daily through the microaggressions that we get, through the condescending statements that we may have to endure by our boss or by somebody in the workplace that may have more power over us than, than ourselves. Um, and so that to me has really driven my ability. I want to, I want to not feel so oppressed and I, and I, and I want to not be suppressed. And what I had to realize is that my entire life I've lived under those two, under those two shadows right? I want to be able to say what I want to say. I want to say, but why? Right? But why? And say that 10 more times. And you learn that in customer discovery when you're building a business, right? They're like, why? And ask them why, but why, but why, but why, right? And I feel like that's applicable to my life. Why do we have to do it this way? Why can't I say something? Why can't I be more pronounced about what's going on? Why can't we change it different a different way? Why do we only have these laws to support X, Y, and Z? So I won't belabor the book why, because I think you get that piece. But I would say that in this social impact space, I think it's absolutely critical that we embrace this whole, and I'm just going to give it, give them all the credit, this Gen Z mindset, right? It's about if you're not creating purpose, if you're not changing the world, I don't want to be affiliated with you. I don't want to sh- show up and work for you. I don't want to even have my name attached to your brand. I love that. And I feel like every single one of us, yes, we have a responsibility to our families. We have a responsibility to make money and to provide a certain livelihood, but we can do that and create change at the same time. And that's what I love so much about the social impact space. And I think that, and then the other piece of that is the social impact entertainment and storytelling. The vast majority of the world, the reason why we operate the way we do is because of the stories and the narratives that have actually shaped our perceptions, good or bad, right? Um, For so long, our stories have been controlled by somebody who necessarily didn't understand our, our reality and our humanity, right? And so now you're seeing conversations about more representation, more authenticity. And I truly feel that once we get to that phase, you're gonna see a completely different world because that world is gonna open up empathy is going to open up understanding. It's going to open up some unity that we've never, ever seen before, as opposed to the divisiveness that we see now that is um, characterized by political divisiveness, as well as cultural divisiveness. All of that is coming from a root source. And a lot of it is intentionally designed to provide, to, to create strife. But I think we also have to have a group of amazing people on the ground who are ready to do that same exact thing in order to drive unity. Yeah, no, and I love it. And I, it, it, it it's so <laughs> the Gen Z thing made me crack up. Um, Cause I described them in my Ted talk is they showed up on the, in the workforce with a gas can ready to burn it. Um, 
but All but I think like home. yeah, and I think that's small scale though. I think like people like you, it's 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 not necessarily the corporations yet. They're trying to figure it out, but it's the people on the ground are actually the ones defining the direction we're going and what social impact really means. Because sometimes you look at corporations, you're like, this is fairly performative right now. <laughs> But they know they have to do it, though, that the market has kind of gone that direction. But I think it's still people like you who are defining what what these corporations long term will look back and go like, oh, now they've got it. But they're, they're not afraid to ask. But why? You know, like one of my favorite um, one of my absolute favorite content creators just graduated from Yale. Um, his name is Khalil Green. Like shout out Khalil. Um, he actually has an amazing um presence and and I'll call it a show on Instagram to where he's calling out different issues. He was one of the creators that were invited to the White House and they were invited to the White House. A whole crew of TikTokers were invited to the White House to help explain the misinformation around the Ukraine versus Russia um, situation. And I love that. Right. But he got there and said, but why is this the first time I'm being invited? Right. There's been a multitude of areas that have happened in a multitude of markets around the world. But why is this the first time? Why is this issue? Why is this devastation bigger than all the other devastations? Right. And of course, you know, with him being an African-American, he had to call out like, why didn't this happen here? Why didn't this happen there? Like when we were dealing with those issues, why weren't those issues as important as this one? Right. It can't just be. I have a huge following. I do a good job of breaking down these situations. I can actually take people from confusion to understanding. But why aren't we here on the front lines to do that for everybody, not just a certain crew of individuals, right? And so I won't belabor that point, but I love the fact that he went in saying, hey, thanks so much for the invitation. I've never been to the White House, but why, <laughs> right? Because that's a boldness. That's a that's a that's a form of courage that I don't think we have had the ability to share before. And Gen Z is actually showing. They're rolling out the red carpet and showing us, like, come on, we're inviting you guys. Like you, Gen Z, Gen Xers, y'all have been silent and suppressed most of your lives. Like you actually have a voice. Speak, right? And they actually give me voice. Like even with my my latest podcast, and I know my daughter's probably going to do it with this one, but she's like sending it out to her friends. And she's like, my mom is dope. That makes me feel good because for once I'm actually taking a step. It's a very scary step, but I'm actually speaking uh, out on issues. And Gen Z is like, oh my God, we love it. Your mom is dope. Like She's the best, right? So I'm not doing it for acclaim. I'm not doing it for popularity. I'm doing it to move our society forward. And every single thing that I do and that we do together, I think that's what bonded us at the very beginning is like, listen, we're trying to come in. We're trying to say, why can't we do business? And why can't we create change at the same time? So I just think it's a beautiful movement in time that we can literally just be authentic with ourselves. Yeah. And and Gen Z showing up, I think, helped other generations i'm a i like to call myself an upper cusp millennial which is code for old old. (laughs) (laughs) i just turned 40 but you know i think it is that you know you know your generation my generation like we came through looking at you know like we never really loved the system but we were just kind of like followed the advice of like just kind of keep your head down you work hard you chase the promotion and like and all these things and then finally it was like wait whoa why? And when Gen Z showed up, you're like, oh, oh, I think we have a majority now. Like, yeah, we're done putting up with this. 
we're just done. And, and we are in a unique position further along in our careers where we can do something about it and kind of like, okay, Gen Z, we got you, you keep doing your, you know, like, and so like now we're, you know, people that are in positions of power at corporations and things are like questioning the, the, the status quo of everything. And I think it's, it is, it's a beautiful time to be alive. Um, and you think about all the problems that we have to solve and who's more uniquely positioned to solve them than, you know, entrepreneurs. We've been well, solving I will just say, you, you open the door. So I got to walk in like one of the people that I, um, he doesn't know he's a, my mentor, but one day I'm going to have this conversation, but Brian Stevenson always says that the people that are closest to the problems need to be brought to the table as a part of the ones that are actually defining the solutions. Right. And if you've ever heard me speak, which you've heard me speak a million times, the biggest problem that we have in the world, I'm not going to say in Georgia and in the US, um, I'm just going to say in the world is that what's being said is never being done. And so there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of aspiration, inspiration, all of the things, but it's now time for action. Um, there are so many communities that are just like, you know what, we've tried to be quiet. We've tried to listen. We've tried to keep our head down and so just do the work. That didn't work. So you know what? It sounds like, or it appears that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So maybe I should try that. And so that's a little bit of where I'm at, I'm at right now. And I'm just following the Gen, the Gen Z lead on that. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, no, I love it. And I mean, one of those issues too is, um, you know, and I think we're finally having these conversations around economic equity. Um, you know, it's, it, I think there's a misconception there that, that it's, it's, it's a leveling. It's it's a it's everybody starting at the same starting point, is really what we're talking about. And and you know, I'm I'm curious to get your take on like because I know there's some some commonly held beliefs out there about economic equity, what it is, what it isn't. But are there any that that stand out either positively or which maybe with which you you passionately disagree? I mean, I'm going to disagree with exactly what you disagree with is that 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 we all have the same starting space, the starting place, because we don't. Right. Um, there's been years and years and years of redlining in this country, and that hasn't been just around land. That's been around education. It's been around health. It's been around all these things. And so when you have centuries of that. Right. Um, and then you fast forward 400 centuries, I mean, 400 years later, and you expect for everybody to just be like, yeah, we're on the same starting point. Like, we're not even in the same generation. We're not even in the same decade when it comes from where we're starting from, right? We're immensely, gravely behind, right? We do a really good job of, of keeping up, but I don't know what happens when we start slicing open, I don't mean to get gory here, but when we start slicing open bodies at death and we start comparing the organs of people who've had what appears to be similar life experiences, and you understand that the trauma that they've had to endure beyond, the trauma of the daily stressors, the traumas that they had to endure, how much older their organs appear. So even though we, you and I may both leave this earth at 65, 70, 95, even if we leave this earth at the same time, there is a greater chance that let's say we leave this earth at, at I'm going to give us, I'm going to be gracious and say, we leave this earth at a hundred. 
my I'll organs may actually showcase those of someone who might have lived to 110 easily. Right. And with every generation, it should be getting easier. And that is the goal that we have as a, as a community. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> we want to think our world is getting better. And then we see a tiny cover that showcases the exact same images from 2021, 2020 and 2021 that it showcased in 1960. And that is where I think we have a reality check to say, is this world getting any better? Especially when it comes to economic you know, equity, right? Because a lot of the economic equity allows us to be in better communities to where we don't have the environmental injustices happening right in our backyards. A lot of the economic equity allows us to be in educational facilities that don't that aren't in, you know, secondary locations, right? With secondary books and secondary transportation and all the things. Like there are actual studies right now around how in black and a lot of black and brown dense neighborhoods that have historically been that way, that even down to the to the asphalt that's being laid is toxic. <laughs> you know, there are so many parts of Atlanta that you can't even a bank won't even underwrite because of the level of toxicity. But now that you have new communities coming into those neighborhoods, it's like remediation and brownfields and like, we got to get rid of all this stuff, but it's been okay for a certain community for so long. So all of that impacts the economic equity. When you, when we're still at a state to where, and I don't mean to make this a racial conversation at all, but we're in Georgia, we're all, we're talking about being good or whatever, um, or doing good. We're still in a state in this country to where a white man with a felony conviction can get a job faster than a black man with a master's degree. We're still there. There's still stats that show that those dynamics still exist. So when we talk about economic equity, we need to be talking about that across the board. And then when we start talking about the creator economy, we're talking about a, a community to where a young black girl, 14 years old at the time, I think she's closer to 17 now, she creates a dance on TikTok. Um, a non-Black creator gets invited to the Jimmy Fallon show to demonstrate her dance and so subtly gets miscredited as the, as the originator of that dance. You look less than two years later, Nathan, and Jalea, Jalea is worth approximately, according to last stats that I was able to read, She's worth approximately $1.5 million at 17. That's not bad. That's not bad for net worth for a 17-year-old, right? But the person who actually got credited with her artwork is now worth over $20 million net worth in the same period of time, right? And so we have to start talking about economically what drove that distinction, right? Is one person's humanity valued more than another? Is we can go into a whole entire rabbit hole, but that is what's happening. And in the area in which I pretty much do my full-time work in, that is the work that I am trying to solve for is like, where is this equity? Um, where is everything being broken down? Like, where's the shift? Where's the split, right? Um, what is it that Jalea doesn't know that this other creator does know, right? And if there's some things that corporations can do since for the most part, a lot of these diverse creators are actually driving the billions of eyeballs that are going to these platforms. And if anybody understands how they work, those platforms then earn ad revenue based upon all the, the numbers of eyeballs that come into their platforms, right? And so 
we are now saying, hey, Corporation A, B, C, D, and F, right? We want to provide and equip these creators with the same skills to ensure that there's equity across the table, right? That this creator that does this is able to own, monetize, value, and protect her content the same way that this creator is. But this creator may have had the a mom who was an attorney, you know, who may have had a little bit more knowledge or just may have had a dad that was a successful banker that can actually call his friend and say, hey, Bob, you know, my daughter's in this industry. She needs representation because we want to make sure that she makes the right amount of money. She gets the right connections. And therefore, that whole entire tier of how she's able to make money exponentially multiplies. This young girl over here is being managed by her mom. And her mom might be a successful marketer, but may not understand this particular nuance. And so we don't know those dynamics. We don't have enough information to say who these people are and what positioned them in a way. But that's also ultimately why we're doing the research to figure that piece out. And we're providing space to really provide them with the skills, the resources, tools, and the community that they need in order to really scale their ventures and their, their creative pursuits. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.